The Eighth Book of Orlando Furioso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. Translated by Sir John Harrington. Book Eight. The Argument. Rogero fled. Melissa after stayed a stalfo with some others to the store. Rinaldo musters soldiers sent for aid to Charles the Great, who never needed more. Angelica, by drowsy hermit laid, is pain and bound all naked to the shore. Orlando is so troubled with his dream, he leaves the service of his king and reigns. O oh, strange enchantments used nowadays! O oh, charmers strange among us daily found, that find so many charms and subtle ways, wherewith they hold fond lovers' hearts fast bound. Not with conjured spirits that they raise, nor knowledge of the stars and skill profound, but blinding men's conceits, and them fast trying with simulation, fraud, deceit, and lying. But he that had the rule and ring of reason should soon their frauds, their crafts, and guiles discover, and find a horde of foul and loathsome treason to lurk within the show of such a lover. Well may they seem most lovely for a season, when all their wrinkles they with painting cover, but unto men of wit and reason learned, their subtleties shall quickly be discerned. Rogero, as I said, in secret sort with Rabican out of the castle went, and made the watch and guard unpleasant sport, that most of them his coming might repent. Some had their arms, and some their heads cut short, all put to flight, the gates in pieces rent, and then unto the wood he entered, when he met by chance, one of Alcina's men. This man did bear a falcon on his fist, with which he went on hawking day by day to fly in field or river as he list. The country full of game still yielded prey. He had a spaniel, could not well be missed, and eke a hawking nag, not very gay, and meeting good Rogero half-disguised, that he was fled away, he straight surmised. The servant rideth on, and at their meeting he asked Rogero why he rode so fast. Rogero gave him very slender greeting, as though on such a squire he little passed. Well, quoth the Faulkner, though thou now art fleeting, I trust ere long to show thee such a cast that with my dog, my falcon, and my horse I do not doubt to fetch thee back by force. And first he lets the falcon take her flight, but Rabican as fast as she did fly. Then from his horse the falconer doth alight. His horse flew like an arrow by and by. Then went the dog, who was of course so light, as is the wind that bloweth in the sky. And last of all himself ran with such shift it seemed the lightning's flame was not so swift. Rogero thinketh it a foul disgrace that any man should think he fled for fear, and more because he now was had in chase. Wherefore he doth a while the flight forbear, and manfully to them he turns his face, and seeing no man but the Faulkner there, and that no weapon in his hand he saw, he much disdained on him his sword to draw. But straight the dog doth bite his horse's heels, the hawk his head amazed with her wings. When Rabican such strange foe's forces feels, he riseth up before, behind he flings. Rogero thought the world had run on wheels, and Belisarda out at once he brings. But they, it seemed, so well were seen in fence, that all his blows to them brought no offence. Both loath to stay, resolved not to yield, 
he takes his target from his saddle-bow, and with the dazzling light of that same shield, whose force Melissa lately made him know, he made them fall as if their eyes were sealed, so that no farther let from them did grow. But having vanquished them this wise with ease, he now may ride at leisure where he please. These foes once foiled, their forces overcome, Alcinous straight had notice of his flight, for of the watchman one to her was come that while these things were done did stand in sight. This made her stand like one half-dead or dumb, and after put her into such a fright that forthwith, for avoiding further harm, through all the town she made them cry alarm, and calling oft herself a foolish beast, because Rogero so from her was slipped, sometimes she beats her head, her face and breast, sometime in rage her garments all she ripped. She calleth all her men from most to least, a part of whom under the sea she shipped, and of the rest she makes a mighty band to fetch Rogero back again by land. All were so busy to this service bent that none remained the palace there to guard, which greatly helped Melissa's good intent, which chiefly was, as you before have hard, to set at large poor prisoners so long pent, which now to do, she absent, was not hard, dissolving all her circles and her knots, and destroying all her figures and her lots. And thus, in fields, in houses, and in woods, she set at large as many as she found that had been turned to trees, to stones and floods, and in that state by magic art fast bound. Likewise to them she rendered all their goods, who, when they saw themselves so clear unbound, departing thence with all the haste they might, to Logistilla they arrived that night. And first of all, the chief of all the rest, the English duke, came to himself again, because Rogero loved and wished him best, and lends the ring that makes enchantments vain. But good Melissa could by no means rest until she could his armor eke regain, and that same famous worthy gilded lance that had to him such honor done in France, with which Argalia got no little fame, who used it oft the same in fight to bear. Now when Melissa to the castle came, she found his other armor with the spear, and this achieved, the sage and friendly dame mounts on the Griffith horse without all fear, and Duke Astolfo mounting on his crupper, to Logistilla's came that night to supper. Now was Rogero with no small ado tiring himself amid those craggy ways, and striving all that he with pain may do to cut off all those loathsome long delays that hindered him for sooner coming to that lady fair whose virtues merit praise, till near the southern sea with mickle pain he came unto a sandy desert plain. Here was he plagued with thirst and parching heat, and with the sun reflecting on the sand, which from the south upon the banks did beat and flaming still the air on either hand. But leaving now Rogero in this sweat, that still I may not in one matter stand, to Scotland now I will return again, and of Rinaldo take a word or twain. Great was his entertainment and his cheer made by the king and people of the land, which feasts once done, the worthy valiant peer, as was his charge, doth let them understand how Charles the Great, whose state doth touch them near, in no small need of their good aid did stand and how for this he sent him to their nation, and to this tale he adds an exhortation. Then was it answered him without delay, that for King Charles 
and for the empire's sake they all were ready to do all they may, and would for this behoof short order take, and offered him to show, if he would stay, what store of horse and footman he could make. Namely, the king himself would be right glad to go in person, but his age forbade nor yet should age with him so much have done as make him from the battle to abide save that he had a wise and valiant son note zerbino well able such a band of men to guide whose value had already praises won and of his youth was now in flower and pride this noble toward him he doth intend as captain of his armed men to send Wherefore about his realm forthwith he sent to get of horses and of men good store, with ships and things to war most pertinent, as needful meat, and money needful more. The while Rinaldo unto England went, the king to Barwick company him bore, and men report that when they should depart the king was seen to weep for tender heart. Rinaldo went with fair and prosperous wind, and passed along upon the English coast, until he happed the noble Thames to find, of which all London justly make their boast. Here he took land, as first he had assigned, and in twelve hours' journey riding post, under the Prince of Wales he was conducted, whom of these matters fully he instructed. The prince, that was vice-chairman to the king, that Oton hight, who sojourned now in France, from whom Rinaldo did commission bring to take up horse and men and ordnance when he had once true knowledge of that thing which, of all other, he would most advance, he marshalled men of arms without delay, and points them meet at Callis by a day. Uh, but here I must a while from hence digress, lest to one tale my pen should still be bound, as good musicians do their skill express by playing on the strings of diverse sound, while Reynolds here is cheered with great excess, as ever in the English land is found, I mean to tell how that fair lady sped that twice before from this Rinaldo fled. I told you how Angelica the Bright fled from Rinaldo in a thick dark wood, how on a hermit there she happed to light, and how her sight revived his aged blood. But she, that took in him but small delight, whose hoary hairs could do her little good, with this good hermit made but little stay, but turned her horse's reins and went away. The hermit, seeing he contemned was, whom age long since, and love did newly blind, doth spur a thousand times his silly ass, who still remained more and more behind, and sith he saw he could not bring to pass to stop her course, afflicted much in mind, in vain he doth his poor ass beat and curse, his trot was very bad his gallop worse, and being out of hope of coming nigher, as having almost lost her horse's track, he studies how to compass his desire with some rare stratagem to bring her back. Unto that art forthwith he doth retire, that damned art that is surnamed Black, and by his books of magic he doth make a little sprite the lady overtake. And as the hound that men the tumbler name, when he a hare or cunny doth espy, doth seem another way his course to frame, as though he meant not to approach more nigh, but yet he meeteth at the last his game, and shaketh it until he make it die, so doth the hermit traverse all about, at every turn to find the damsel out. What he intends to do, 
full well I wot, and mean ere long the same to you to show. The damsel travelled still that knew it not. The sprite to do his office was not slow, for straight within the horse himself he got, as she on sands of Gascoigne seas did go. The sprite that fully had possessed the horse did drive her to the sea with all his force which when the fair and fearful damsel saw, although she tried full oft with rod and rein her palfrey from his dangerous course to draw, yet, seeing plainly she did strive in vain, with colour changed for anguish and for awe, and casting off her look to land again, at last she sitteth still, nor further striveth, for needs they must go whom the devil driveth. In vain it was to strike the horse her bare, it was not done by that poor palfrey's fault. Wherefore she tucks her garments, taking care lest they should be bedewed with water salt. Upon her hair, which then all loose she wear, the air doth make an amorous assault. The greater wines were still, I think, of duty that they acknowledge to so rare a beauty. The waters more, the land still less she sees. At last she saw but one small piece of land, and that small piece in small time she doth leave. Now sees she neither shore nor any sand. Then cold despair all lively hope did freeze, when as her horse did turn to the right hand, and at the twilight, though not long before, did bring her to a solitary shore. Here she, remaining helpless and alone, among the fruitless trees and senseless rocks, standing herself all like the marble stone, save that sometimes she tear her golden locks. At last her eyes to tears, her tongue to moan she doth resolve, her fair soft breast she knocks and blames the God of heaven and power divine that did the fates unto her fall incline. O oh, fortune, fortune, thus the damsel cried, Fill now thy rage, and execute thine ire, and take this life that takest all beside, and let my death accomplish thy desire. I have, and daily do thy force abide. Fear still my mind, travel my limbs doth tire, and makes me think in this great storm and strife that death were sweet to shorten such a life. Can all thy malice do me further spite? Can any state be worse or more unsteady? That am from princely scepter banished quite, A helpless hap, and hurt past all remedy. And worse than this, mine honour, shining bright, Is stained sore, and even defaced already. For though in act no ill I ever wrought, Yet wandering thus will make men think me not. What can a woman hold of any price if once she leaves her honour and good name. Alas, I hate this beauty, and despise, and wish it never had been of such fame. Nay, do I for this gift now thank the skies by which my spoil and utter ruin came, which caused my brother Argyll shed his blood? Nay, could his arms enchanted do him good? For this the king of Tartar, Adrakin, Sought of my father Galifron the spoil, who while Ome was in India called Great Cain, and after died with sorrow of the foil. For this I daily, doubting to be ta'en from place to place to pass with endless toil, and now to lose, alas, what hast thou left me, since fame and goods and friends are all bereft me? 
If drowning in the sea were not a death, Severe enough to quench thy raging spite, Then send some beast out of this desert heath To tear my limbs and to devour me quite. I shall thee thank for stopping of my breath, If to torment me thou have no delight. These woeful words uttered the lady bright, When straight the hermit came within her sight, who all the while had in a corner stood and heard her make this piteous plaint and moan proceeding from her sad and mourning mood enough to move a heart as hard as stone it did the cynic's fornicator good to think that he was there with her alone yet so devoutly cometh this old carrion as though it had been paul or saint hilarion when, as the damsel saw a man appear in such a desert solitary place, she straight began to be of better cheer, though fear and dread appear still in her face, and with a voice so loud as he might hear, she prayed him pity this her woeful case, recounting all her dangers overblown to him to whom they were already known. No sooner had the hermit heard her out, but straight to comfort her he doth begin, and shows by many reasons and devout how all these plagues were sent her for her sin the while he puts his saucy hands about sometime her breast sometime her neck and chin and more and more still gathering heart of grace he offers boldly her for to embrace but she that much disdained this homely fashion doth stain her cheeks with red for very shame thrust back his carrion corpse without compassion reviling him with many a spiteful name who testy with old age and with new passion that did him now with wrath and love inflame draws out a bottle of a strange confection that sleep procureth by a strong infection with this he sprinkleth both the damsel's eyes those eyes whence cupid oft his arrows shot straight Sound asleep the goodly damsel lies, Subjected to the will of such a sot. Nay yet for aught he did or could devise, He could procure his kirtle, stir a jot. Yet oft he kissed her lips, her cheeks, her breast, And felt and saw the beauties of the rest. The dullard jade still hangeth down his head, Stirring or spurring could not make him prance, the sundrier ways he said, the worse he sped. His youthful days were done, he could not dance. His strength was gone, his courage all was dead, his weapon looked like a broken lance. And while himself in vain he thus doth cumber, he falleth down by her into a slumber. But now another evil chance befell, for one ill turn alone is seldom done. The which to then I may the better tell, know this. About the setting of the sun there is an isle, Ebuda, as men tell, whose habitants are well nigh all undone by means that mighty Proteus thither sent an orc that doth the people tear and rent. Within this isle, as ancient stories tell, I not affirm how false they are or true, Sometime a king of mighty power did dwell that had a daughter passing fair of hue. The which fair lady Proteus liked so well when her on sands in walking he did view, that though he dwelt in water salt and cold, yet fresh hot love on him had taken hold. Which heat, when all the sea could not assuage, he thought her milk-warm flesh could only quench, 
and for he saw she was of lawful age with her consent he forced the princely wench which sin did set her father in such rage that straight condemning her in open bench her of her life he publicly bereaved nor spared the infant in her womb conceived this cruel act her lover so inflamed on king and island he doth wreak his spite he sends that monster that before i named with other beasts destroy the island quite these monsters hurt their men beat killed and lamed in fine put all the people in such fright that to escape the beasts devoid of pity they left their fields and fled unto their city and though men armed the gates and walls defend yet they within scant thought themselves secure and sith their harms have neither ease nor end and tired these tedious travels to endure unto apollo's oracle they send to know how they their safety might procure who after humble suit and sacrifice answered them of Buddha in this wise blood guiltless spilt did breed great proteus ire inflamed with love and fed with beauties rare blood guiltless must be spilt to quench this fire till one be found may with the first compare this you must do and if you peace desire to take of damsels those that fairest are and offered one a day upon the shore till he find one like unto that before this woeful answer breeding much despair and more dislike within their careful hearts to think that every day a damsel fair must for a prey be given without desert this is the cause that maketh them repair to find sufficient store to sundry parts to get them virgins fair and undeflowered of this most ugly orc to be devoured now if this be of proteus true or not i mean not in defence of it to stand but this is certain so for well i wot men use this cruel custom in that land and day by day a maid is drawn by lot and left for prey upon the rock or sand unto the monster that doth them devour even in their prime of youth and tender flower o wretched whites whom subtle snares have brought unto this unfortunate and fatal isle where damsels fair and handsome out are sought to serve for food unto a monster vile there pirates bring them home there vessels fraught with such they take by force or trap with wile with which they fill their prisons and their towers to have them ready at appointed hours thus sending out their vessels day by day it chanced that one of them with tempest tossed happed to arrive whereas the hermit lay with that fair lady hard upon the coast o oh, cruel chance o oh, precious fearless prey among the pirates either to be lost or to be carried to the fatal isle to be devoured of a monster vile that beauty rare that sacripant aid deemed more dear than living liberty or life that beauty rare that to orlando seemed most fit of all the world to be his wife that beauty rare in india so esteemed that bred so many a blow and bloody strife is now so quite of aid and comfort reft not one to speak a word for her is left the damsel fair drowned in a deadly sleep was ta'en and bound before she could awake also the drowsy friar to make him keep her company away with them they take this done they launched out into the deep 
and with this precious prey they homeward make where in a castle they detained her thrall until to die her luckless lot should fall yet such great force her passing beauty had among these barbarous and savage whites that they appeared sorrowful and sad to weigh the danger of her doleful plight it seemed all of them would have been glad to have preserved her many days and nights but such small store of others there remained at last to offer her they were constrained who can the woes the tears the plaints rehearse the lamentations and the mourning sound that seemed the heavens themselves with noise to pierce to rend the rocks and stir the steady ground her ivory corpse conveyed as in a hearse by wailing whites where they must leave it bound the thought hereof in me such pang doth breed i can no further in this tale proceed wherefore i must some other matter find until my muse her sorrow may assuage for sure no cruel beast was so unkind nor tiger in their greatest wrath and rage nor any cruel tyrant can we find although there are good store in every age that could behold or think without compassion a lady bounden in so vile a fashion oh had orlando notice of her smart who was to paris gone to seek her out or those two knights whom late the fiends did part the which for love of her together fought they would for her use all pain care and art of death nor danger they would put no doubt but if they help not now it is no wonder sith they and she were placed so far asunder now in this time to paris siege was laid by famous agramant trojano's son of which at last they grew so sore afraid the town had almost of the turks been won had not their vows procured them heavenly aid they had been ruined all and quite undone the force of france had well nigh then been foiled the holy empire had almost been spoiled for when that now the city was on fire and when all hope of human help was past then mighty god forgetting wrath and ire upon their tears repentance true and fast at charles's humble prayer and desire with help from heaven relieved them at the last and sent such rain to aid the noble prince as seld was seen before and never since now lay orlando in his restless bed and thinks with sleep to rest his troubled sprite but still a thousand thoughts possessed his head troubling his mind and sleep expelling quite as circles in a water clear are spread when sun doth shine by day and moon by night succeeding one another in a rank till all by one and one do touch the bank so when his mistress entered in his thought as lightly she was never thence away the thought of her in him such circles wrought as kept him waking ever night and day to think how he from india had her brought and that she should thus on the sudden stray nor that he could of her true notice know since charles at burdle had the overthrow the grief hereof did him most nearly touch and caused him often to himself to say what beast would have been overruled so much that when i might have made her with me stay for why her love and zeal to me was such that in her life she never said me nay yet i must suffer nameth for to guard her as though myself but little did regard her i should to charles myself have rather excused and as i did have kept the damsel still or if excuses all had been refused 
I might instead of reason pleaded will, and rather than have been so much abused, all those that should resist me slay and kill, at least I might have got her safer keeping, and not have let her thus be lost with sleeping. Where bidest thou? Where wanderest thou, my dear, so young, so lovely, and so fair of you? Even like a lamb, when stars do first appear, a dame and shepherd being out of view, bleateth aloud to make the shepherd hear, and in her kind her evil hap doth rue, until the wolf doth find her to her pain, the silly shepherd seeking her in vain. Where is my love, my joy, my life's delight? Wanderest thou still? Do not the wolves offend thee? Or needst thou not the service of thy night? And keepest thou the flower did so commend thee? That flower that me may make a happy wife, That flower for which I ever did defend thee, That I forbear to please thy mind too chaste, Is not that flower last now gone and past? O oh, most unfortunate and wretched I, If they obtain that sweet and precious flower, What can I do in such a case but die? Yea, I would kill myself this present hour, I would this world and that to come defy, Earth first my course and hell my soul devour. And this unto himself Orlando said, With care and sorrows being overlaid, now was the time when man and bird and beast gives to his travelled body due repose, when some on beds and some on boards do rest, sleep making them forget both friends and foes. But cares do thee, Orlando, so molest that scarce thou canst thine eyes a little close, and yet that fugitive and little slumber with dreams unpleasant thee doth vex and cumber. He dreamt that standing by a pleasant green upon a bank with fragrant flowers all painted, he saw the fairest sight that erst was seen, I mean that face with which he was acquainted, and those two stars that Cupid sits between, whence came that shaft whose head his heart hath painted. The sight whereof did breed in him that pleasure that he preferred before all worldly treasure. He thought himself the fortunatest wight that ever was, and he the blessed lover, but lo, a storm destroyed the flowers quite, and all the pleasant bank with hail did cover. Then suddenly departed his delight, which he remained all hopeless to recover. She, being of this tempest so afraid, that in the wood to save herself she strayed. And there, unhappy wretch, against his will, he lost his lady in unlucky hour. But her to find again he travelled still, employing to her safety all his power. The woods and deserts he with plaints doth fill, and cried, Alas, turned is my sweet to sour. And while these same and such like words he said, he thought he heard her voice demanding aid. At the same voice, well known, a while he stayed, then followed as the sound him guided most. With this mischance, his mind was much dismayed, his body sore with toil and travel tossed. Then straight he heard another voice that said, Now hope no more, for all thy hope is lost. And of the sudden waking with the sound, his eyes all full of watery tears he found. 
so sore he was affrighted at this vision that even as though it had been so indeed and not a fancy vain or apparition thinking his lady stood of him in need in secret sort he getteth all provision to make repair unto her aid with speed and for he would not willingly be known he took nor man nor armour of his own his coat of arms of colour white and red he left behind for doubt of ill success and if it fortuned he but evil sped at least the loss and foil should be the less upon his armour cypress black he spread with colour sad his sorrow to express and thus disguised in sad and mourning hue he parts and biddeth not his friends adieu not of king charles whose kinsman he is near nor taketh he his leave of brandemart nor yet to kinsman kind or friend most dear doth he his meaning open or impart nor until day did all abroad appear was charles advised that he did depart but in great rage and choler when he knew it he sware and vowed orlando sore should rue it at which good brandemart was greatly grieved as one that deemed it was without desart and that his friend by him might be relieved to find him out and thence he straight depart for by his words he certainly believed that he could ease his friend Orlando's smart, but this to Fjordaledge he not imparted, for fear that she his purpose would have thwarted. This Fjordaledge of him was dearly loved, a lady of great beauty and clear fame, of parents good, of manners unreproved, both wealthy, wise, and modest to the same. Yet taketh he no leave of his beloved, but early in the morning from her came. To turn that night was his determination, but was deceived of his expectation. And when she waited had a month or more, expecting his return, and all in vain, for love of him she was inflamed so sore, alone she goes to find him out again. And many sorry haps she bid, therefore, as in the story shall be showed plain. For of Orlando now I have to say, that is of more importance than both they, who, having changed the arms he late did wear, directly to the city gate he went, and told the sentinel softly in his ear that what was his name, and what was his intent, who straight abased the bridge without all fear, supposing sure his uncle had him sent, and straight upon the pagan camp he lighted, as in the book ensuing is recited. End of Book Eight